Welcome to this podcast series where I talk to the artists behind the music I play on my radio shows. I host two radio shows a month on UKCountryRadio.com. One is a country legends, a documentary style show, and the other is the Boudoir Bluegrass Show. Join me while I chat to and get to know the musicians and artists behind the music I play. Listen to their stories and their musical journeys and share some laughter and fun as you get to know the artists behind the music. Before we start, I would just like to say that we did have a few technical issues, so you might hear a few clicks here and there, but that should not distract you from the great interview that Andre gave me. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of this series, Bands in the Boudoir, and my very first guest of the series is Andre Dahl. He's a banjo player and a songwriter from Portugal. Hello, Andre, and welcome to the show. Hi, Lynn. I'm okay. How are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Wishing we had the spring weather with us at the moment, but we don't. We have a mixture of snow and sunshine. How about you over there? And is it sunny in Portugal? Actually, it's raining. Ah. <laughs> it was sunny yesterday, good weather. But now today it's raining. It's a little bit cold, but not snowing at all. Anyway, <laughs> Andre, can you tell me how long have you been playing music? Did you start as a child? Uh, who are your influences? And you know, when did you discover bluegrass? Yeah, it's a long story. My family is not music at, at all, so I did have three months guitar lessons when I was 13 or 14. But besides that, I would listen to music, especially like rock and roll music, because my dad was a big fan, and like Elvis and Beatles too. Mm-hmm. Also Johnny Cash, like country music. Mm. But uh, besides that, we there was no musical instruments at home, so I didn't have a lot of lessons to play. And the the switching point for me was when I saw the movie Deliverance and I saw that dueling banjos and it it got me really excited about the banjo. And I was lucky enough to find the soundtrack of the movie, which is all banjo tunes of Eric Weisberg playing. And I got the soundtrack of the movie and me and my brother, we we used to listen to that sound to that CD over and over the whole day, every day, and we really got hooked to the banjo sound. So that was really the switching point for me. So when I was about I don't know about I'll say like 19, I asked my granddad for a banjo, and it was I never asked my granddad for anything else. So that was the only the only gift I asked him for, you know. So he he, he couldn't say no. So he, he gave me a banjo that we saw on, on sale on a, on a shop in here in Portugal, a very crappy banjo. And I had the banjo, you know, he got it for me, and I had the banjo for two years, and I didn't know how to tune it, right? So I kept the banjo at home, you know, it was funny, but I didn't know how to tune it. I mean, <laughs> even the bridge wasn't on the right place. So I only got it tuned when I went to a, a concert of the Pogues, they came to Portugal to play, and I went backstage and asked one of the guys if they could tune the, what's the tuning on the banjo? So they gave me the tuning. This was like in 96, mm-hmm. I guess. But still, <laughs> I couldn't, I, the, I tuned it, but it wasn't okay. So one day before I went to London, I went to London for uh, Erasmus program for six months to stu- to study. I went out in Portugal one night and I took the banjo with me and one of the, one guy that I met he, t- he tuned the banjo for me you know he switched the bridge he you know put the bridge on the right place and tuned the banjo so it started 
<laughs> the whole history start making sense then. <laughs> the day after I went to, to London for six months, so I started having lessons, some banjo lessons while I was there. Uh, when I came back to Portugal, I started playing the banjo with friends from college. We started a band called Tarush, which in Portuguese means when you hit something, you say Tarush. That, ah. that was the name. So, but I still, I wasn't picking with my, with my picks. So I didn't have that characteristic, you know, banjo sound when playing. So I finished college during the final year. And I met a guy in Lisbon who could actually play banjo and mandolin and guitar and bluegrass style. So I was really happy to find him. And I had like lessons for a year. My evolution playing the banjo wasn't gradual. It was like by steps. I know I, I learned a little bit. In 97, when I was in London, then I, know, I learned a little bit more in 99 when I met this guy called, you know, Mario Ribeiro. He's a very good guitar player. And uh, I started working after and I stopped playing the banjo. And then when I went to work in South Portugal, in Algarve, there was a guy playing there on pubs and I started playing with him. Mm -hmm. And then I found an English guy that moved to the Algarve uh, called Jerry Rolf. He was one of the first banjo players in England. And I started having lessons with him. I had like one and a half year lessons with him. That was the moment I told myself, I'll never quit playing the banjo ever. So after that, I kept on working and started going to bluegrass festivals in Europe, especially the EWOP festival. The <laughs> first time I went there, I went with my wife and I couldn't stop playing the banjo. I mean, I literally pick up the banjo at 10 a.m. and stopped at 4 a.m. <laughs> My wife had to uh, hand feed me because I wouldn't stop playing the banjo. I, <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> it <laughs> funny is addictive, year. though. That festival is, is, is fantastic. But, you know, the, it is addictive. I know so many musicians who are, do exactly the same. Absolutely. I went to EWOB with my son and uh, he was only 10 and he played the ukulele. He didn't play anything else, but he was, you know, a little 10-year-old, just couldn't put the instrument down while he was there. So I totally understand wh <laughs> where you were coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was the first, like the, the year before I went to US and I saw a band playing in, in near Chicago and it was like, oh, whoa, I, this is amazing. Mm. You know, that was like 2006. It was the first time I saw a bluegrass band playing live. And then on the year after when I went to Europe, I, I you know, that that those moments are like when you think that I have to go to bluegrass festivals every year. You go there and you come back like like five years younger because <laughs> you have so much fun and it's such a great atmosphere. Everyone is very friendly. I could play the banjo by then, but it's different when you play at home by yourself than when you play with others. So I didn't have that at home. I didn't have that uh, uh, here in Portugal. So I was like, you know, I have to go every year because you learn more here in two weeks than in two years in Portugal. 2009, I started my band uh, and tried to take the band to Bluegrass Festival as well. So from 2007 until last year, I never missed a Bluegrass Festival at least every year so last year was like the the only year that i didn't go to any bluegrass festivals at all in terms of uh you know my influences are uh you know of course eric weisberg was the first and then i started learning about you know earl scruggs 
and uh, Tony Trichka, uh, Bill Moreau, of course. And I bought a book when I was in London from Tony Trichka about melodic style, and there were all the old, the old guys, like Bill Keith. I met Bill Keith in 2007. When I was learning the banjo, I never thought that this type of music was from the 40s. I, was, I, never, I never asked, I never thought about it, so I thought it was a lot older than that. So I thought all the guys that in the books, like Earl Scruggs, Bill Moreau, Bill Keith, they're already dead. So when, <laughs> when I met Bill Keith, I was very surprised because I thought he was dead already. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said to him, <laughs> I thought you were dead. I thought that they were untouchable. You know, when I met him, it was like, I just met one of the first guys, one of the most influencer banjo players in the world. Yes. I couldn't believe it. But that's the thing about the bluegrass world. It's very, the community is lovely, all very welcoming. And there, there's no hierarchy. Everybody's very approachable. Everybody's welcoming. Everybody's supportive. When I went to play with my band at the La, La Roche Bluegrass Festival one year. Oh, I love La Roche. Um, that festival yeah, is also a brilliant <laughs> festival. Yeah, it's it's like the ones Ewob and, and La Roche are the ones that I always want to go every year. So, yeah. yeah, but I was doing kind of an interview to show Portuguese people what bluegrass music is all about. And I interview some of my friends like Luis Gomez, Tom Neckville, and Chris Luquette, and, and Jeff Carty, and other, you know, very prominent bluegrass people in Europe. And my first question was, what is bluegrass music to you guys? Almost all of them, they answer back that bluegrass music for them is friendship. And that's like, that sums it all, you know. Yes. Bluegrass oh, music, besides, besides the, the style of music, is mostly like the connection between the people. So that's what, what I want to show Portuguese people, you know, the, about about bluegrass music. Um, no, you're absolutely right. It is about friendship and connection. It's not just performing on stage and everybody watching the bands up there. Afterwards, there's the picking yeah. sessions, there's the workshops. You could get about 50 people in a room just jamming, just yeah. picking. And everyone so. takes their turns. So yes, and it's, it's very <laughs> it inclusive. can take a long time, but it's just all, it's just a fabulous, fabulous connection. Yeah. So... Yeah. You, you're also a songwriter, aren't you, Andre? And you've written quite a, a few songs, but there's one particular one you've got out at the moment. Tell me about the project and, and yeah. the single. It'd be great to hear well, about that. I have to go back a little bit. Started when I started my, my band. Even before, I mean, I was working as a geologic engineer in, in South Portugal, in Algarve. And I thought to myself, I mean, I don't have enough time to play as much as I, I want to. And my wife is also, she's also a geologic engineer. And we were working on the same place, but we, we were really tired. We were working in a construction sites, so like a dam construction. And her parents have a Goan restaurant because she's, she's from Goa in India. Mm -hmm. And we decided to just quit our jobs and move to Lisbon and start working out at her parents' restaurant. So after I started working there, there was a guy that showed up at my my at the restaurant and he was really crazy about the banjo. He started a band called the Stone Bones and Bad Spaghetti. I like which that name. Literally means like two Yeah, it literally means two places in Portugal. It's like the place where I work and the place where he lives. He used to live. <laughs> um and we started the band and uh you know, some more people join in, you know and we start going to bluegrass festivals. 
but uh, there was about 2010-2011, I had a hand problem. I didn't know what it was and it took me a year to figure it out. So I, I learned, I went to the doctor and everything, so I learned that I have focal hand dystonia. It affects the, the ability to play the banjo to a point that I almost gave up playing the banjo in 2011. Oh, no. But uh, I went to EOP that year and I saw a guy playing dobro, you know, banjo play with thumb, index and middle. But he was playing dobro like thumb, middle and ring finger. And I thought, why don't I do that? So I stopped using the index finger and I started using like the thumb, middle and ring finger. Mm -hmm. And the, the moment I switched my fingers, it was immediately better. I kept playing with my band, going to bluegrass festivals like EOP, La Roche and everything. It's not going to stop. I mean, the disease is going to progress and it might affect the other fingers as, as well. So in 2013, I, I had an idea of recording an album, a real bluegrass album with bluegrass musicians because my band is like the Portuguese bluegrass. So when you show it to people, you, you can relate to bluegrass, but it has a lot of Portuguese influence. The other guys from the band are learning about bluegrass music because of me. There's this learning process that takes a while. And the band has really nice songs and the approach to bluegrass music is there, right? Mm -hmm. But I was looking to do a bluegrass instrumental album that you could show to Portuguese people this is bluegrass music. Of course. And yeah. also because of the focal hand dystonia, I, I thought I have to do this before it's too late. Mm -hmm. So I started the recording process in 2013. And I recorded, uh, I think, four tunes and asked some friends to record four tunes. And then I stopped for a while because it, it got to a point that it wasn't the right moment, I guess. Mm -hmm. I picked it up in 2017 and asked another other friend to record and it stopped again. So I, I recorded all the tunes from 2013 to 2017. Right. But still... It wasn't finished. Last year, because of the, the pandemics, everyone stopped playing. So I thought this is the time to finish the recordings and to assemble everything and edit everything. This is the, the right time because Perfect everyone time. is more, more or less available. Mm. So ask some more friends to record and I put it all together and everything. I ended up having... 16 musicians counting me from a lot of different countries, like, like three continents. I have one friend from Japan, one from Can Canada, like four from US, uh, Sweden, Northern Ireland, Germany, Holland, uh, Belgium, uh, Switzerland, Portugal. I mean, 10 countries. Yeah. And six tunes are original and six are cover from some famous <laughs> musicians like Bill Murrow, of course, and others. And so the process of recording was very individual. I recorded the banjo part first with a click track, and then the bass recorded his part. And after that, I sent it to all the, the other musicians. So I had to assemble everything very carefully because, you know, it's very hard when you don't record all the instruments the same time. A lot of it, editing. Yeah, that's why I stopped in 2013 and 17. I didn't have enough time to do editing. It took uh, quite a little bit of time. The guy that did the mixing and the mastering did a terrific job. His name is uh, Jason Borisov from New York. It was really, really good. The time came to choose a single. My wife really loved this melody that I did called the Beyond the Tagus River. It's lovely. And my influence of the tune is like my family comes from south of Lisbon. 
It's called Alentejo. It's the region below the Tagus River and the Algarve. It's a very mm -hmm. poor region. And Alentejo literally means beyond Tagus. So beyond the Tagus River is the region where my family comes from. That region resembles the way the people are in the Appalachia region and the, the region where bluegrass music comes from. Yeah. It's a very rural region and uh, people have their own way of, you know, of relating to to others. They're, they're very distinctive. So when I did that melody, I was trying to combine both regions in, in, in one tune. I really liked the tune a lot and my wife loved the tune and she said, that's the one. <laughs> so she's the boss. She's literally my boss because I work at her restaurant now. <laughs> I did a video. I just wanted to include the Alentej region because I have you know, I want to combine bluegrass music with with that scenery. I think it really fits the song. It, it really fits the mood of it the really of the does. song. Yeah, I hope everyone likes the video. It's on YouTube, and it's the single of the album, which will be available in June. And until then, I have a crowdfunding campaign. Deadline is seventeenth of May. Okay. So. Everyone who supported the crowdfunding complaint can get a, like a CD or T-shirts or, or if they're banjo players, you can get like the solo banjo tablatures on a digital book. So, yeah, that's it. You've got lots <laughs> of incentives on your crowdfunding. So, Andre, after the... Um, sorry, not Andre, Andre, I'm sorry. <laughs> after the pandemic okay. has eased off and the restrictions have eased, apart from your album project i guess you can't wait to get back into the festivals and and would you like to play over here in the uk i guess yes at the, our festivals yes i mean i've been trying <laughs> to go to every bluegrass festivals that i that i can i mean we've played in scotland at money ivy already and we're thinking of going to ireland as well and uk and uh, everywhere that we can my picking hand is not so great now, but I I won't give up. I, I'll try my best to to I'm trying trying to incorporate the index finger back again, mm -hmm. so I can do I can still pick. But yeah, 2020 was supposed to be the best year for us because we already had scheduled like concerts, a lot of festivals here in Portugal. So the thing of bluegrass music is was really getting bigger here yes. in Portugal, and uh, we already had scheduled to go to Sweden as well. So hopefully when the pandemics ease down, maybe we have to go back on tracks and get to go to bluegrass festivals all over Europe and also festivals here in Portugal. Actually, I'm also working very hard to do a bluegrass festival here in Portugal, which was supposed to be last year, but because of the pandemics, we couldn't do it. And then we decided to do this year, but I think it won't be this year as, as either. But we have everything scheduled to, if we don't do it this year, we have to do it next year. So it's going to be in September and we're trying to bring my band and three bands from Europe and an American band. So hopefully it, was, it will work in Portugal. I mean, there's my band, there's the album. And if we have like a bluegrass festival every year, I think it's going to do a lot of things for bluegrass music here in Portugal. Oh, that sounds very exciting. One of the bands is uh, that we're trying to bring to Portugal is from the UK. Who's that? Uh, they often heard. 
Oh, I, yeah, I know the often heard. Yeah, I play them regularly on my show. You had a lovely review by Tony Trishka. I met Tony Trishka in Longford in 2008, and he's very friendly. Mm. And talked for a while, and then I start attending his online school from Artist Works. And we chat a little bit, and also his friends of Luis Gomez in Barcelona. He went to Barcelona in 2020, right before the pandemic kicked off. And he was supposed to come to Portugal because it was the presentation day of the, of the Bluegrass Festival here in Portugal. But he couldn't because the day he was supposed to come, the borders stopped. But we, we stayed in touch for a future opportunity to come to Portugal. And when I finished the album, I sent, I sent the album to him and I asked him if he could, do, if he could write like a quote or a, a small review. I was very happy when he replied that he could write a small review because that's not the full review. Mm -hmm. That's a, only a quote from the review that I'll, I'm going to put on the uh, back cover of, 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 the, oh, of the album. I have to say <laughs> really thank you so much to Tony Twitchke because of, of the, what he wrote. He's a very well-respected yeah. musician on the bluegrass scene. <laughs> thank you, Andre, for yeah. joining me today. It's been lovely to have you on, on the show here and to learn all about your your past your present and the future projects that you've got very exciting about your single yes very exciting about the crowdfunding i do hope that goes really well for you really really wish you all the best for that and i'm looking forward to the album and hopefully maybe somewhere down the line you can come back and t tell me more you know update me on the album's progress and update the listeners so thank you very very much for coming along today it's been a pleasure yeah, thank you so much, Lynn. It's a very, it's a great opportunity to you know, to, um, you know, share my my passion and 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 the album, and I really have to thank you for this because you know it's not every day that you get a chance to talk about the passion that you have. Maybe this will helps to bring bluegrass music a little bit more to Portugal. So that's my Absolutely. main focus. You know, thank you. You have been listening to a Lynn Nash Music and Voice production for the Bands in the Boudoir podcast. I do hope you've enjoyed listening and I hope you will come back to listen to further episodes in the future. Thank you very much for tuning in.